1: Listeners, welcome back to Girls, Guts, and Giallo. It's me, Annie Rose Malamet. We have returned now with season two. I missed you all so much and missed interacting with you on social media about the weekly episodes and the movies that I've been watching. So I'm happy to return to doing that. I'm very excited to share with you the content that I've recorded for season two. I have a lot of great episodes coming up and it's apt that we're returning during Women in Horror Month, February 2020. Today's episode is on the film Vamp, starring Grace Jones, and I spoke to Monica Estrella Negra, and it's a perfect episode for Women in Horror Month and also for Black History Month, and I'm very excited to share it with you. Before we begin, I want to shout out some of my patrons on Patreon. You can always follow me on Patreon at patreoncom girlsgutsgiallo. And for $1 a month, every little bit counts. You get a shout out on the podcast. For $5 a month, you get a newsletter every month with the readings that I did for each episode. And for $10 a month, you get a bonus episode on a new release that I release once a month i will also be releasing a new tier soon which will be called the vampire lovers tier and i'm going to begin to go live and watch movies with you all it seems like something that people are interested in something that people have asked for so i haven't quite worked out what i would like the price for that to be yet and what the system i would like for that to be is yet but that is for sure coming And I really hope that some of you sign up and interact with me while I make commentary and watch movies all night, which is what I do best. So here are my new patrons from the past couple of months. I'm going to read your names and shout you all out. Colby Brianne, who is my beautiful, talented leather sister. Joy Robinson, Claire Nelson-Lipson, Violette, Gabriella Salas, Tara Lynn, Leah, Petrina Gigliamo, S. Elliot, Bridget, Pussy Grime, Morgan Alana Marshall, Carta Monir, Hi Carta, Shabon Barber, Foxy De La Rosa, another one of my best friends, Lisa Eisenberg, Sarah Dufton, Ari C. Lowen. One Lovely Weirdo, great name, Daria Sowell, Megan, Gay Ghost, another great name, Deirdre, and Tia Clothier. Thank you so much for being patrons. Now before I start today's episode, I want to play a promo that was sent to me by the Spinsters of Horror for Women in Horror Month, so check them out.
2: I'm Kelly you'll find me heading up the social media while drinking a can of beer and I'm Jess I'm the witchy spister who can be found behind the scenes crafting and we are the spinsters of horror we have a monthly horror podcast called I Spit on your podcast
1: which is semi-academic with a dash of feminism and we aren't afraid to tackle tough subject
2: matter or just have a little fun you can find us on our website at www.spinstersofhorror.com Follow us on Twitter at Horrorspinsters. You can find the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. And remember, the future of fear is female.
0: Hey, where are we going? Ah, Doesn't matter what counts is that you're my (laughs) buddy. My day didn't start off too well.
2: We be looking for ya.
0: Are we talking tonight? And then, it got worse. <laughs> We're here. And then... Gentlemen, I give you Katrina. Right. You're just what I'm looking for. Oh! Why'd you pick on us? It was a mistake. It was a little error there, a little communication error. I'm sorry. Uh Uh-oh. Let's just get out of here. This is not really happening. Hello, baby. God, you look awful. What happened to you? I was nearly hung. I got into a fight with a psychotic albino. I had a cockroach, my best friend disappeared, and then I'm nearly assassinated by a runaway elevator. Anyone can have an off night? Vamp, a comedy with bite.
1: Welcome back to Girls Guts and Giallo. This is Annie Rose Malamette, as always, and I'm here today with Monica Estrella Negra. Hi, Monica. Hello. So... Monica and I are going to be talking about the 1986 movie Vamp, starring Grace Jones as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the the title, the title Vamp. So, Monica, before we talk about the movie, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
2: Of course. So... I am a horror filmmaker based in Philadelphia, <laughs> Pennsylvania. I'm also the co-founder of Audrey's Revenge Film, um, a horror and sci-fi collective made up of QDI BIPOC that are dedicated to promoting visibility of our narratives within the horror and science fiction world. Um, prior to that, I was also the founder of Black and Brown Punk Show Chicago, which highlighted uh, queer people of color and subcultural music spaces. And currently, right now, I am working on my fourth film as part of my Vengeance anthology, uh, titled Bit in a Tragedy, and am freelance writing for multiple publications.
1: Amazing. And Monica's films are incredible. Monica, you know, I'm a huge fan of your work, so... I really encourage everyone to check you out after the podcast if they haven't already. I'll be plugging your stuff when I'm plugging the episode, so definitely go do that. Um, When did you first see Vamp, and how did you feel when you first saw it?
2: I first saw Vamp when I was in college, actually, and um, I was dating this girl named Julia who hated horror movies, but she did like Grace Jones, so it was like a a deal-breaker, for uh, us to watch it. And we rented it. Um, This is when uh, Blockbuster was like still around, like one of the like, few blockbusters that existed, like in the early 2000s that hadn't gone out of uh, business. So we found it, we rented it. And um, when I first watched it, the first thing that that I immediately resented was the fact that I only got to see Grace Jones for 15 minutes throughout the entire film and it was pretty much just her dancing, being silent, um, and then being murdered at the end. So I was just a little bit underwhelmed by the film in general. I also was just like particularly annoyed by the dialogue in the film because it felt really schlocky and it felt like it was like very rushed, um, which is, you know, the most we can say for most 80s horror because like because it was such a huge cash like franchise at the time you had like a lot of like amazing like amazingly trashy films coming out that didn't really work too hard on the dialogue or the meaning but just wanted to get as many cheap thrills as possible in order to like make money so but i figured that since grace jones was in it that it would be a bit more like high profile and like considering like the budget and like you know everything that was behind it, that it would have been like something of cultural significance, especially because like, you know, black women like heading like a horror a horror film at that time. I mean, like now it seems like a possibility, even though people still have to fight teeth and nail to see that, but um, at, in the eighties, like I feel like I was expecting it to be like a trailblazing film for like the black protagonist, especially because she was such an essential part of the marketing tactics like when you think about vamp like it's always about it's never really like the the actual characters because like i can't tell you like how many people have probably seen the movie and can't even like reference the two main characters in the film like actor wise but like the way that they marketed it even in like the trailer that you can look up on youtube it was pretty much all about grace jones but she wasn't actually featured in the film so right I mean she carries um, the entire like a lot of opportunity uh, for that so I I just felt like very underwhelmed but then I also wasn't like surprised because <laughs> I'm just a pessimist
1: yeah I mean that's right.
2: Like, well I should have known that you know especially because I feel like so many people love Grace Jones and like know who she is and like if I hadn't been into horror I don't think I would have like figured like found out about that film because I feel like also people are just like it didn't really it wasn't really like her best so we're not going to like plug this and you know what i mean so
1: yeah i mean she carries the entire film and she doesn't even speak in it i mean the only reason to watch this film is because of grace jones <laughs> like yeah. it really everything else it's not that remarkable of a film as opposed like instead of if you leave out her presence it's just not It's like, like you said, an 80s schlocky horror film. I saw it like late at night on TV and I had never seen like, you know, I love schlocky 80s horror to have fun and watch it. But I, you know, like going into it, I was like, okay, this is another like stupid vampire movie. And then when we get to her dance scene, I was like, there is something different going on here with this movie and it just always kind of stuck with me so it's from 1986 uh directed by richard wink written by donald p borschers and richard Wenk both haven't really done anything else of much of note uh when i looked into their filmographies just like kind of other crappy 80s movies um Obviously starring Grace Jones The two main guys are Chris Makepeace and Robert Rustler and um, Also another side character is Getty Watanabe who had just Done 16 Candles Like two years earlier I Want to say
2: And talk about like racist Like typecasting tropes
1: Absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. and we can Definitely talk about that when we talk about His character Mm -hmm. Um. It's like a classic 80s horror uh it's ex- it's an underrated film uh and it's really carried by Grace Jones like we said Tina Turner was considered for the role of Katrina I don't know um who else was considered but that was the the main person that I saw who was also considered for the role um the song that grace jones dances to during her stripping scene was sung by her but it was never commercially released and it's not included on the movie's soundtrack album
2: Uh, so many questions about that like right why
1: yeah and she she released a reworked version titled seduction surrender on her 1989 album bulletproof heart Hmm. so she did eventually release it her makeup katrina's vampire makeup is based off Pris from blade runner from 1982 mm-hmm. uh, and it was designed by keith herring on a photo shoot that grace jones did with andy warhol and robert Mapplethorpe, where herring painted her body in his distinctive style so there's a lot there's a few articles out there about the keith herring body paint but i couldn't really find any information about how he came to design her body paint for this crappy movie like there's just so there's like these weird powerhouse elements to this film like keith herring grace jones
2: i'm also like trying to figure out if this was like underhanded like commentary about like two fraternity boys that are going into like the slums and like, you know, like the the underground and like the underbelly where like, there might be art artists and freaks and whatever else and depicting them as like vamp- vampiric like entities that will zap you away from like this life of normalcy. You know what I mean? Like if the body paint was intentional to represent like that turn of the century, like artistic vibe that took people out of like that cookie cutter breadwinner um, you know idealist you know yeah like I feel like that could have been like a potential like underhanded threat but I could be I could be giving them way too much credit to like think so heavily into something for such a crappy ass movie but I mean I I love that interpretation and maybe they were trying because you know in the 80s like you know the whole puritanical vibe of like you know was like a big thing in horror it's like you know if you don't sleep around then you won't get murdered and like the reason why these promiscuous kids are getting killed is because they're going against their parents and like doing whatever else so like blackness and art and like these fucking like super cookie cutter like fraternity boys just going out on the town for the night you know going to get something as harmless as a stripper you know boys will be boys type deal but then like ending up selling their souls you know yeah no i love that interpretation is that a thing what'd you just say spoilers should we do spoiler
1: alerts or... oh no yeah this is a spoiler podcast yeah okay, whatever. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's been out since 1986 <laughs> yeah, catch up kids catch up. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> but yeah no i love that interpretation and like they might not have been thinking that deep about it but that's there you know like so regardless if it was intentional or not it's definitely there um So, the filming began, interestingly, on January 28th, 1986, the day of the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster. Fun fact. Ominous. Ominous, yes. And I just had to shout out the costume designer, Betty Pesha Madden, who has done a lot of sci-fi film costumes because uh, Grace Jones's costumes in this film are incredible. Mm Mm-hmm. So, let's talk about the plot of Vamp. So we get this big dramatic opening in the beginning with this like intense choral music and uh this is like a definitely a in my opinion, something that's used a lot in eighties horror movies, and I've also noticed it has been making a comeback in horror movies, kind of like i'm most notably, I'm thinking about us. We get that like. Really dramatic choral opening, and then I'm also thinking about midsomar. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the dramatic opening, I feel like in general like is kind of making a comeback. In, like, musical like
2: yes. overtures, yes,
1: and which I love.
2: Visuals, which like hypes up the adrenaline, right?
1: Yes, which is yeah, exactly perfect for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So we see these uh, two young white men, Keith and AJ, being dragged by these people in white. Robes to the top of a tower to be hung, and it's revealed that this is actually like a frat hazing ritual. Sounds
0: right to me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) and the the two men are being the the two men who are being hung. Keith and AJ are new pledges. (laughs) so this is like this the whole setup of this movie which is honestly just not that interesting until grace jones gets there i mean there's like some interesting elements to it um but like the 80s college movie is like a big thing at this time yeah and it's really capitalizing on that AJ and Keith mock the frat brothers ritual and Robert tells them that a better use of a of pledge labor would be to let them throw a party for the frat and procure booze and strippers. So the setup here is like AJ is arrogant and adventurous. Keith is a wimp. It's kind of a weird setup because AJ gets set up to be the main character, but it's really Keith who is the main character.
2: Uh-huh. It's
1: very disjointed. So,
2: Plus, on your toes, you know, you don't know what's happening, like, right? But, like, like, actors are not charismatic enough for you to actually care. <laughs> yup, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I don't care, it just comes
1: off as bad writing.
2: You know, where is Grace?
0: Jones? Yeah,
1: when does she get here? Um, I mean, there's also like Kind of makes me think of Queen of the Damned and how Aaliyah, like, carries that entire movie and Mm. you don't care about anything until she gets there.
2: Snap, snap, snap.
1: Yeah. And this this is, is like, a precursor to that. Mm -hmm. So...
2: That's very
1: true. Yeah, like there's no reason to watch Queen of the Damned except for Aaliyah. There's no yeah, reason to watch Vamp.
2: Basics who are just like, eh, I got steer so. High. Oh my
1: god! <laughs> I mean, no! anybody who watches the movie because of that, I have real life beef with. <laughs>
0: like,
2: true.
1: There's that's disgusting. Well,
2: first <laughs> of all, he wasn't even singing. It was Homeboy from Corn that was doing <laughs> yeah. his vocals. So I really need you to think about your life for like two think seconds.
1: Think about your choices. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Power
2: like, and rice. I would have sued, like honestly. Oh yeah, like, she yeah, was she was
1: pissed with the re- with the way that they, they did Queen of the Damned actually.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Aaliyah, like um I think somebody should just like remake like all like the movie but just cut out all the scenes and just have like all the B-roll of like Aaliyah just going around setting like weird goth vampires on fire and looking hot as fuck while doing it
1: god please i mean it's also like grace jones dies at the end of this Aaliyah dies at the end of queen of the damned and if you are a sane person you don't want that to happen in either of these movies (laughs) like it's anyway so now, a j. and Keith meet Duncan, who's like a rich nerdy type played by Getty Wantanabe, who owns a car that they want to borrow. Um. And this is when I started to get the sense on my rewatch that these boys are like, really wealthy. They go to an elite college.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Duncan is a socially awkward nerd who uses his money to buy friends. So he agrees to lend his card to AJ and Keith on the condition that he can join them. So that's where we get the setup of this, like, buddy comedy that's about to happen.
2: Yeah, um, like, what real friends do. Right. I
1: just, <laughs> like, fucking hate AJ and Keith. Like, they're just the worst characters. Like, there's literally nothing redeemable about them.
0: Yeah.
2: and.
1: I mean also like Getty Watanabe's representation is fucked like
2: like, I mean because like Getty Watanabe pretty much made like a, a good majority of his career in the 80s and I don't think this was like his actual choice but this was just like the only roles that were available for like coming up like Asian American like actors Uh, Or just, like, you know, like, the typical, like, nerdy, like, Asian kid, you know, who's, like, socially awkward, not assimilated into westernized ideals, and was always, like, the butt of, like, a lot of, like, the white jocks, like, jokes, you know what I mean? Like, 16 Candles, like, that... Oof. Like I know a lot of people. I, I'm going off on a tangent here. I know a lot of people. No, go for it. the fuck out of that movie, but like that movie is fucked up. It's like making light of rape. It's making light of drugging people. It's making light of uh, sexual harassment, racism, uh, and not even just like racism against Asians. Like there's also like you know the mention of like having sex with a black guy and being disgusted. Like there's so many things. So like it's just like problematic on so many levels and it makes me really sad that like even in like this low budget ass like movie he had to like resort to taking like this role of like sucking up to like these two like chads basically yeah absolutely
1: they're 100 percent chads yeah and i mean it's important to say that about 16 candles because like the american collective consciousness remembers that movie is like this fun romp but It's so fucked. For who? Right, exactly. Like, for Chad's, basically. For Chad's, yeah. Yeah. So, while flipping through a porn magazine in the car on their way to the big city, the boys see an ad for the After Dark Club with a gorgeous promo photo of Grace Jones as the ad, and they decide to try to hire a stripper from this club. So... In the city AJ almost hits A bus their car spins out And when they finally stop they're in This like abandoned rundown Neighborhood which is so Weird I'm like is this supposed to be Supernatural or something (laughs) Like they they Spin out into this like When
2: you're in the inner city I don't know if you Knew this but especially the poor Black and brown areas you Go through like this weird mysterious Like experience and you transfer Over
1: Right, it's you go, so you step well, through the so veil.
2: Friendly. Yeah.
1: yeah like, <laughs> that's basically what it's implying, is, like, yeah. they've stepped through the veil into this other world that they're not ready to deal with. Um, they're in this diner, and they're waiting for the after-dark club to open. And as they're discussing how the club doesn't open until dark, the counter guy at the diner starts frantically dressing up as a priest and putting on this huge cross around his neck. Wonder why... <laughs> And he tries to close the restaurant, but this group of, like, hooligans stroll in, led by a man who has albinism. Um, The actor didn't actually have albinism. He bleached his hair. And this is, and, like, a whole other thing we can talk about is, like, just the exploitation of people with um visual difference.
2: I had no idea that he wasn't. Actually
1: all that yeah.. Wow. So it I mean, horror movies do this a lot. They even do this today. And this was like one of my huge problems with midSomar actually was like using someone with a facial deformity mm-hmm. to invoke like horror and dread mm-hmm. and doom. Mm-hmm. And that is a, definitely what's going on with this character in this film,
2: same with hereditary and Yes. mostly um like American horror story.
1: Yes, it's yeah, a it's huge it's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very common trope, and it's, like, something that hasn't – that writers with disabilities and facial deformities have been talking about forever, but people still keep doing in their movies, and I really wish they would stop. Yeah. Um, So – but he's also accompanied by three black women, which is also – notable in this movie um it's never really explored but it's Duh, I
2: guess, grace jones's sisters
1: yeah like but they're not vampires like I, it's i guess it's like i don't Wouldn't know take
2: us back to the first point about like you know what what the actual vampire like uh stands as in the actual film you know what i mean Yeah. I I don't know. Especially because, like, if a person's, like, albino, you know, like, that can also be, like, perceived whiteness, but, like, not, I don't know. But, like, also the actor wasn't even albino, so that also makes it ten times weirder. I don't know. That's so, wow. Well, what I, I mean, the
1: way I interpret it is, like, they're trying to create this, like, heavily contrasted, like, you know, like, God how how do i even word this i i just feel like it's the concept of of freakery and like showing you something that you don't see every day to indicate that like oh we're in another uh we're in another realm now like it it's just something that i see films doing a lot mm-hmm. um so the leader of this gang is his name is Snow. Very clever because he has albinism and he approaches Keith menacingly and says that he thinks one of the women that he's with named Maven should cut off his balls um, because Keith is like making flirty eyes at her. And then she smiles and she has um, crooked teeth and he reacts like disgusted he he reacts like to her like he's disgusted and turns away in horror um so then they menace him and maven takes out a knife and um like menaces keith with it and i have a note here that just says yeah kill him (laughs) like i hate keith (laughs) like i might hate keith more than aj (laughs) um And, yeah, it's just such a weird scene. Like, it's it's so, it, like, trying to put you in this mindset that these boys are, like, out of their element completely. Right. So, AJ interrupts and, like, tries to arrogantly reason with Snow. Um, AJ pours coffee on Maven and disarms the group and he overpowers Snow. And my note here says, boo. And, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you're just rooting for... Everyone else, basically.
2: Basically, um, small note because I, I remembered something, but um, and I don't know if this is related. I don't know if like the directors and this is kind of going back to the characters. No, but um, in some West African cultures, there are specific vampiric uh folklores that are tied to people that are born as albino. So that's, I think that's that interesting. that could be like a potential reference. But like I said, I'm not leaving that that depth of knowledge. To that I think that what you said About like the shock value and like Showing that there is something happening You know like I think that's probably More along the lines but
1: just, But you know regardless Still in maybe albeit unintentional Interesting coincidence Mm -hmm. So finally The boys get to the after dark Club and the bouncer Vic He's played by character actor Sandy Baron and he's got Mm -hmm. like a raspy And mean voice as always Mm -hmm. He's another one of the good parts of this movie. Yeah. Uh, and he seems... It seems to be like a slow night at the strip club. The boys hunker down to take in the scenery. Um, I also wanted to discuss just like strip club scenes in movies in general. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it's it's always like the best part of the movie <laughs> whenever there's a strip club scene.
2: Yeah. The, I mean, like, and clearly i mean you really have to like well i've also been like really curious i don't know if you saw the new hustlers movie or whatever i
1: did yeah
2: did um i'm also just really curious as to like wonder whether like the people that are present like the workers like in the sex like clubs and whatever like are actually paid or if they're like actually workers at that place that agree to be a part of like the uh the um the um the dancers. I've always just been curious about that and whether it was just like unless they like have like actresses come in that pretend to do that or
1: um I don't know about this movie. I know in Hustlers that the extras were actual dancers from the club. Nice. Um and but I don't know about this movie. I imagine that some of them have to be um but yeah, I mean, it's just always, like, the way that strip clubs are shot is very interesting to me. Like, it's... In what way? It, I feel like it's very specifically, you know, to give this impression of, like, seediness and, like, the underbelly of things. Whereas in Hustlers, I felt like they were just at their job. I don't know. What Word. do you think?
2: Where... You... No, I can't cite that. I was about to say, "Showgirls" wasn't seedy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think it varies on class, <laughs> right? Considering that, like, they were supposed to be in like the shoddy whatever. And then yeah, like I-, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's only like where like the lowest of the low would go, and that's just also tied to that puritanical like idea of like horror movies and redemption of like you know entering like the darkness and falling victim to it
1: yeah but then like
2: also i feel like with katrina like coming out and like those or that's grace jones character's name uh katrina when she comes out and does like this like pseudo artistic like dance that you would not like experience in like that that uh perceived idea of what a strip club was in the 80s like i think that that was something that probably brought them to like this Wait, I'm going off on a tangent. I'm sorry. No, I
1: see what you're saying, though. I mean, so the next thing that happens is we meet Amaretto, who is, like, a waitress at the club. And she's this bubbly white, like, blonde type who seems to recognize Keith, although he doesn't recognize her. And the only thing that's interesting to me about her character is the way that they frame, like, waitress versus stripper purity. Like, the waitresses at the club are, like... Or just in general, like, waitresses at the strip club are seen as, like, it's still hyper-sexualized and, like, you can gain access to her in that way. But it's less sexualized than a stripper because it's, like, more honorable because she's just the waitress or something. Like, I just see that dichotomy sort of Mm
0: -hmm. popping
1: out because, like, the strippers are all – spoiler, the strippers are vampires and she's not. So I, I just see that. Mm-hmm. As a as a duality that they're proposing here, um, now it's like the Hooters
2: versus working at a strip club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but in regards to vampires, yes, I get. Yes, yeah. I think so, they did the same thing. in from Dust till dawn. Yeah, also what I think, uh, from Dust till dawn is basically like vamp, but with uh, Salma Hayek.
1: Yeah, and I read that from Dust till dawn was inspired by this movie. So that's a, an apt comparison. Yeah. Um, Vic introduces Katrina. And now we get the greatest scene of the movie where Grace Jones painted completely white. Her face is painted completely white. And she's got these like red lips and dramatic red hair. And she's in this red jumpsuit. Her gloves have these like steel fingernails on them. And she strips and she's got on this Keith Haring body paint and this like amazing cone metal bra spiral thing going on. And she dances to her own song and it's just this like completely surreal piece of performance art that you just obvious like when I first saw this movie I was like in shock seeing this scene in the same way that the audience is in shock after they watch it and I found it so interesting because like everybody is entranced in the club and the boys are like enraptured with her and they agree that she has to be the stripper for the party do you think that there's like a supernatural element going on here? Like is she seducing people supernaturally through this weird dance? Cause it seems like it seems like that to me. Because it doesn't feel to me like these frat guys would be like, that's the dance we need. Like they're these rubes.
2: Yeah, no, they wouldn't appreciate that. Um well I mean, like, we only have to think about like who Grace Jones is as a person and like how her own performances outside of film and whatever else have always held their own type of like hypnotism and I know that she's always like heavily tied like her own like spiritual presence and like her art creatively so I wouldn't have I wouldn't have I definitely assumed that like because she was the head vampire and had like that you know that queendom if you will like she could just seduce a room and have like people do whatever she wants them to like I feel like that was like The whole purpose of like her being right Um, but also we look at like folklorically like what the vampire has had to do in order to lure its victims into it so i think it's like a really interesting take on like that that ability to like hypnotize and seduce like with like their dance or song or flirting or whatever the heart desires of like your victims or whatever but like taken on through black femininity in that in that sense
1: yeah because the dance like if i'm thinking of from dusk till dawn like salma hayek's dance is hypnotic Mm -hmm. and supernatural but it's Mm -hmm. very much filtered through like a typical male gaze of like what would be sexy whereas Mm -hmm. this dance is like Not that at all.
2: Exactly. Like, it's
1: completely Grace Jones, like, embodying this persona, like, for herself, doing what she wants. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible. I mean, there's, like, this weird sculpture in the middle of the dance that she, like, pretends to give head to at the end. It's incredible. And it's, like, very sexy, but not in the way you would think of, like, in an 80s strip club movie like what you would think of as being
2: yeah because the sexuality is owned by her it's not it's not being owned by like the the gate the white male gaze as you said like like if they had grace jones and she agreed to the movie she wouldn't have it any other fucking way yes yeah (laughs) so that's why like literally people only remember this movie because of that because of the amount of magic she like put into her own actual performance
1: yeah, and I have questions about like if she choreographed this herself. Like, I
2: feel like no, I feel like she—that was all like had to be. It, it had to be.
1: Yeah, it because it's so her and like so reminiscent of her other performances.
2: Yeah, I can't see any white man director like telling her, no. I can't no.
1: No, me neither. So I just—I just, <laughs> just want to know more. I just want to know more about her yeah. role in this um, movie. Are they still alive? I
2: don't know. Can
0: we yeah. ask them? Let's find
1: them. Yeah, let's find them. I just I might just like buy the DVD, honestly, at this point. I'm like, I need to know. So AJ is led backstage by another waitress to meet Katrina. Katrina. And she's got this like great lair She has these portraits of herself She's got this gold Egyptian Sarcophagus with a pharaoh's Likeness on it And this is hinted at a couple times in the movie That she might be That old like she might Be from ancient Egypt Um, And this is a Trope that happens a lot With black vampires In film like Mm -hmm. with Aaliyah In Queen of the Damned like Mm -hmm they are the the oldest like almost demigods um among people
2: sarcophaguses and it's the most relatable thing to like the westernized like vampire like being in cemeteries and like coffins and stuff like that so that was like the only equivalent though most of the black like vampire narratives are coming from african americans and there were no uh african americans <laughs> that were brought over from egypt because it's on an entirely different continent so i always thought that was really interesting that the work never went into finding out like west african or like um because the majority of like african americans that came over during a transatlantic slave trade came from either the congo or west africa Like that ended up in the United States. So has nothing to do with Egypt, has nothing to do with any of that, but they couldn't like, I've I've yet to see anybody delve into like any type of like West African nations, like historical uh, folklores about vampires in general, because they do exist and like try to relate that to the actual ancestral memory of black people that are featured in these films.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, like you said, it's something that the Western gaze has fetishized historically as like Uh ancient Egypt and Uh like, you know, just white Western explorers like going to ancient Egypt and like raiding tombs and like there's just always been that that fascination, that fetishization and that mm-hmm. comes out in our in our films. Mm-hmm. Um, so Katrina appears and AJ asks her to perform at his frat party and she's in this an- another amazing outfit with this metal corset. She has like yeah. a million outfit changes. I fucking love it. And she begins to physically seduce him, never speaking. She's hypnotic. Um, and she... You know, I hate how AJ just, like, lays back with his arms out like an idiot and just, like, immediately expects her to do all the work in this seduction.
2: He was clearly asking for it. And, you know.
1: Good. (laughs) Yeah. Like, offer yourself. (laughs) Grace Jones is, like, so... Gorgeous and hot here Like and the camera is like Loving her in this scene Like it's all about how beautiful She is and She's like straddles him I was like fanning myself Cause she's so hot in this scene <laughs> And I've obviously Like I have a vampire fetish so I'm like oh my god Like she's to me one of the Hottest female vampires in all Of film history obviously I, I, And I- All of a sudden Katrina like grows fangs and her face face contorts hideously. There's great practical effects. And she devours AJ, sucking him dry. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, good. Kill him. So
0: good.
1: It's It's so so good. good. And yeah. she also, like, has this great moment where she throws her head back and laughs with this, like, dem- like demonic glee. It's so incredible.
2: Yeah. That was, like, my wallpaper on Facebook for a hot minute. Yes. And, like, AJ's body is just, like, laying in a pool of blood. Good. Yes. Fucking tight.
1: <laughs> it really is so tight. Like, if the movie could just be Grace Jones killing men that would alone be a great movie
2: we're putting that somewhere yeah 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 <laughs> like, yep.
1: yeah hear me out, hear me out. <laughs> vamp but grace jones just kills everyone the yes. end like
2: that's lots it. of really cool outfits and just is grace jones oh like, i could watch, watch that for that hours yeah. Yeah. yeah just have it on loop
1: yeah, yeah. exactly mm-hmm. Back out in the club, the boys wait for AJ. Vic is, like, eating bugs. Like, he's some kind of Renfield archetype. Um <laughs> And this is when we start to realize that the entire club is full of vampires. But Keith and Duncan don't know it yet. I mean, like, what is better than vampire strippers? I mean, come on. Like, that's...
2: <laughs> oh, I just want to know, like, what is it about, like, new age vampires just always chilling in the club? Like, that's, like, two things that gays and vampires have in common, I feel.
1: I mean, that's <laughs> actually, like, really smart connection. I read there's this article about urban vampires in film by Stacey Abbott, um, and which I've referenced a few times on the podcast. And she talks about, like, the vampire, the urban vampire is, like, alone figure that sort of represents like existential angst and urban anxiety and that is in it she doesn't link it to queerness but as queer people like we know that those things are one and the same <laughs>
0: like yeah. Yeah. The,
1: the existential angst of like being this person who's alone in the world or that's what that's it feels actually
2: like Because that's one of the reasons why I had um, My fourth film, Bitten a Tragedy Which is about a queer vampire Like beginning at like a queer underground rave Because like that is the place of solitude And like the place where you can actually Try to maybe fit in with like All the other like social outcasts And like how it becomes like a safe haven In some ways So I'm going to read that book That's really interesting
1: Thank Yeah, you. yeah and I can actually send you I have a PDF of the article I'll send it to you nice. Um, yeah. I actually have, like, a whole compendium of vampire essays as a PDF. I'll just send you the whole thing. Um, right. But, yeah, no, I mean, that's really, really true. And, like, sex workers and queers being, like, our history being linked together uh, and – being othered in that way there's definitely something there to how sex workers and queer people are often coded as vampiric in horror films so keith asks the waitress who took AJ backstage uh, where he is, um, but she says she doesn't know what he's talking about. She's, like, gaslighting him, (laughs) and she goes backstage to Katrina, who is now radiantly lounging on a chaise (laughs) as this (laughs) man named Vlad is cleaning up AJ's body, and the waitress (laughs) warns her that AJ's friend is looking for him uh amaretto who's intent on getting keith to remember her i like hate this side i like don't care
2: i have something to say about okay yes especially when she remembers where she remembers him from i'm just like this is okay anyway
1: yeah i mean
2: (laughs) i'm just like really right y'all couldn't have thought of something all right
1: yeah it's dumb yeah (laughs) their their whole like thing is dumb (laughs) anyway continue. (laughs) and she brings him backstage and then the other waitress says oh she does remember aj but he must have left we also got to mention uh cimarron who is played by lisa lyon who was a professional female bodybuilder in the 80s and she's the stripper who dances with the whip amazing yeah uh this is kind of, it's, like, weird. It's, like, a, it's a strip club where, like, women's bodies who aren't typically held up as, like, the most beautiful in a strip club are, like, this very muscular woman and, like, mm-hmm. this weirdo performance artist. Like, this is actually the coolest strip club ever. Right.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I would go to that strip club.
1: Right. Like, can we go? <laughs> like, what a great, you can eat me. It's fine. Right. Uh, Outside in the alley, Keith sees Vlad, uh, like, wheeling out what looks to be, like, a body. There's all this green and purple lighting, which is very, like, Giallo-esque.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and Keith walks – this is so weird. He, like, walks away from the club. I'm like, so you're just going to leave Duncan there? Fine. And <laughs> Amaretto about yeah, <I'm>
2: not Duncan. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't give
1: a fuck about him. <laughs> Amaretto follows him, like, chatting him up. Back at the club, Katrina lounges again in another look. (laughs) (laughs) Her fourth costume change. And Vic uh, berates that waitress for bringing her a victim that had friends with him. And Katrina pulls out the waitress's heart from her chest and laughs. It's really great.
2: I mean... and. She expects perfection. You know? Like I mean You can't just be out here, you know? We gotta you gotta cover tracks. You can't. I mean Literally, we're trying to eat, you know.
1: <laughs> like I feel you. Like I feel you, <laughs> Katrina.
2: Security culture, all right? Like, yeah, like sometimes <laughs> you just gotta make these tough decisions. You to work a hard.
1: <laughs> I mean, when the queen tells you perfection, she means it. You can't expose the coven. So Keith and Amaretto go to this like hotel that she's living at, which is like creepy and run down. I don't care. They lose each other, whatever. Someone tries to kill Keith. I really don't care. Let's go back to Grace Jones. Right. So <laughs> we see Vic and Vlad, the mom's, the uh, the mobster dude back in the office. And Vlad is like stroking this drawing of Katrina dressed in royal ancient Egyptian crown. And Vic admonishes him saying he doesn't have a chance with her anymore and so I guess they were lovers at one point and Vlad kisses at him and it's pretty funny Mm -hmm. anything with the vampires is good like these guys are funny together even though Grace Jones isn't in the scene Mm -hmm. and Keith and Amaretto find each other they argue again Um, Keith walks away and he runs into Snow and some more of his friends all of whom have albinism (laughs) And they chase him into a sewer and, like, close the lid over him. And through the sewer grates, Keith sees this little girl vampire kill one of Snow's henchmen. And he also runs into an old guy eating a rat.
2: Yeah, I didn't get that. That was just like, I was like, is this... Is this the same movie? I <laughs>
1: have no idea. At this point, I was like, "This is just bad writing. Like, there's, it doesn't make it just any sense."
2: To, like, in like that, you know? Like it was like, "Hey, we got like this b roll of like some weird guy eating rat <laughs>
0: Because
2: you know, can we incorporate if that? You're in the city sewer, of course you're gonna see people eating.
1: That's rats. what happens. I like. I guess it's just supposed to. They're just supposed to be in this like other realm. Um, Where fucked up things are happening. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Keith (laughs) escapes the sewer. He finds AJ's body and the body of the waitress that Katrina killed. A garbage truck tries to run him over. The garbage man is also a vampire. (laughs) And Vic assures Katrina that he's going to take care of everything. And she's in another amazing outfit. (laughs) And he feeds from her wrist like a baby. She's mother. Like, she is the mother of yep, this entire operation. Yes. I love it. Queen B. Queen B, yeah, like vampire as mother, like as the origin of life, like as Lilith almost, like the alternative yep. to Eve. Um Duncan is still at the club. <laughs> Keith is in this gross bathroom when all of a sudden AJ appears, scaring the shit out of him. And he says it was all a joke and that he's fine. And Vic brings the boys backstage because the cops are there to talk to him. This is an interesting scene with the cops. The, mm-hmm. They admonish the boys for wasting his time. And he says, this is not a nice neighborhood and I don't like coming to it. Like, too bad? <laughs> like, they really captured how disgusting cops are in this I mean, scene. I was like, yeah, that's
2: a cop. Yeah. Like, <laughs> accurate. Actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, it's strange. Yeah, it's strangely accurate. AJ is acting strange, like, sucking Cimarron's fingers and... Katrina, again, I just always have to note her outfit changes because, like, there's so many of them. She's in, like, another outfit like with this amazing headdress. And Keith wants to leave, but AJ obviously doesn't because he's undead now. And Cimarron changes into a vampire and tries to eat Keith. And he kills her with a high heel through the heart. What do you make of that symbolism there?
2: Oh because I mean like she was ultra like muscular And like exuding like masculinity So like of course death by femininity That's and, fascinating like, not, so, yeah. it was, like, not so subtle
1: Right and I also felt like It was using Like a tool that she uses As a sex worker mm-hmm. To disarm and kill her hmm. Like Using how she lives To, to kill her Like mm-hmm. I just found that really loaded. Really
0: interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like so much going on with that death. Uh AJ says he can't let Keith leave and he vamps out and he they it's kind of a gay moment where he's like, I love you, Keith, but all I can see right now is food and I'm starving. Yeah,
0: that's yeah, that's, gay. Very good.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> really homoerotic. I mean I feel like I, feel
0: like I heard that somewhere. Yeah
1: i mean i'm gonna use that line (laughs) like that's that's hot like i love you but all i could see right now is food and i'm starving like okay (laughs) uh it's very fright night which is also very queer coded yeah Yeah. very like american werewolf in london with buddy banter and all that
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: AJ implores Keith to kill him with a wooden stake, but he can't bring himself to do it. So AJ stakes himself, and he like tosses Keith the car keys and tells him to get away. Um
2: Aww, I know love sacrificed himself. I
1: know, but it like kind of irked me because I was like, okay, but in life, AJ was a dick, like, and now all of a sudden he's like a nice, like he's like this friend. I don't, it, it just
2: before redemption before he like gives up his that's life that's a good point
1: know? yeah i was thinking of it as no, bad like, writing you know,
2: but or whatever
1: but yeah. i think you're right it is more of like a redemption thing
2: yeah
1: um amaretto walks in keith of right he oh. bursts into the club and shouts to the patrons that everyone is a vampire and one guy says that doesn't make them bad people <laughs> and <laughs> me <laughs> this is like <laughs> this guy is that like i don't care bad
2: people. Oh, yeah. like that guy is like a regular like he's like the one chill dude that like you know they were just like yeah i mean he's cool yeah, yeah they,
1: he knows he doesn't care he's like i'm here to see katrina every night like i don't care i i hope that was improv that extra it's so good uh, Vic mocks Keith, <laughs> And he says no one will look for him When they kill him which is not true Because he's like this rich white boy So people yeah. will be looking for no. him Yeah. Um, And he also Has this interesting like Semi monologue where he talks about How he runs a waste disposal Because the dregs of humanity Go to that club and they take care of them And I don't know I was just wondering if you had anything to say About that I found that really Loaded as well
2: the dregs of humanity uh, yeah
1: and how the club is a waste disposal
2: Mm, i mean it could definitely go along like those like ultra rigid conservative like views that were happening in the 80s at the time about like people that like gave into drinking or smoking or uh let's not forget the Reagan administration and like all of the den- uh, denial they had around like the AIDS crisis and like stuff like that. And like how um, they pretty much just kind of figured that like the gay community or the uh, the poor or uh, impoverished would pretty much just like take care of themselves by like having promiscuous sex and like catching the virus or mm. like drinking themselves to death or like doing whatever else. And like cohabitating in like these other worlds that are definitely off limits to like keep like characters like Keith and AJ who are like at this prestigious university and like are wealthy and whatever else you know what I mean so it's just like by them coming down there in order to like survey the type of depravity that like they consider to be taboo like they were pretty much like aligning themselves with like the rest of like humanity that like participate in like these types of cultures so it could it could have it could have gone like in that type of like social commentary i feel yeah
1: no that's a great point i mean it if it's not intentional social commentary it's adopting the attitude of the era like mm-hmm. that like you said like people are going to take care of themselves it's like they're asking for it by going to a place like this like yeah
2: and that was like a very serious thing like when um one of the main reasons why the reagan's like Why the AIDS crisis got so bad is because like people just figured that like the only people that would be affected by it would be like queers and like trans people you know what I mean that many of
1: whom are sex workers
2: exactly and like if you go there then you're going to participate in like this lifestyle that will you know destroy you in this way and is so far removed from like the homogeneous like nuclear family that the 80s perpetrated like through numerous films like 16 candles right even though it's just as toxic and just as disgusting you know in that retrospect but because it's like the marginalized community and like black people and like The myriad of like oppressions that like plague these communities like if you align yourself with that then only expect to like you know destroy yourself basically
1: absolutely yeah yeah totally Mm -hmm. so amaretto uh oh no keith says can he have a last drink like they do in vegas because vic like fetishizes vegas So he says yes, and Keith orders three double brandies and tells Amaretto to spill them all over the place, like, because they're going to burn the bar down. This would not be enough to burn a building down.
2: But it's cute that they thought that, like, they could do that. But also lazy writing, like I said. It's such lazy
1: writing because he (laughs) puts a napkin in the brandy and lights it on fire. And then, of course, the whole bar goes up in flames. All of a sudden, because it's like all pine wood,
2: you know. Right.
1: Like unfinished wood. (laughs) The bar is made of unfinished wood. And the strippers like vamp out. I love the vampire strippers. And... Amaretto is bit magically not a vampire, and Duncan, Keith, and Amaretto escape outside and into their car, and they're chased by the garbage truck from before and Snow's truck, and they trick them so that they crash into each other. Um, suddenly, Duncan begins to change into a vampire, and Keith crashes the car, which of course explodes and kills Duncan. So, I deserve
2: better He
1: really does I mean considering like What happens with AJ After this
2: And also using that same narrative About like assimilating yourself With like people that are bad Like let's talk about like Duncan was trying to align with like AJ And Keith and they were actually shit stains After all because like they didn't Take him seriously and only wanted to hang out with them Because he had a car
1: Yeah And now he dies in his own car That he lent them That's messed up
2: Can we talk about that? Yeah (laughs) like Can Can we talk about double standards? But okay
1: Yeah like exactly Like Duncan has to die For whatever sins the movie perceives That he's done But like AJ Who you know spoiler guys is not actually dead AJ and Keith Get to live on and so does amaretto
2: the three white characters live everybody else they're grand run-in with people of color because you know you also can't trust the model minority asian in our institutions either
1: literally like Like,
2: that's what i got from it i was just like damn so they they threw you under the bus too
1: no exactly
2: but yeah (laughs)
1: no it's true I mean that's exactly what I thought I was like how fucked is it that he dies In his own car That is the only reason that he's there In the first place the
2: only, And that he wanted friends
1: right? Oh my god how dare he want friends <laughs> Like it's so sometimes, awful It's to be
2: owned you
1: know Yeah I mean 80s horror movies Are really moralizing in this way And yeah. like part of my this, when I struggle to watch them Sometimes wow. Um amaretto and keith are surrounded by vampires snow and his crew arrive and keith and amaretto escape the little girl vampire eats snow it's hilarious amaretto annoyingly tells keith that the way that she knows him is that Ugh. They,
0: Ugh. They,
1: they kissed <laughs> during a spin the bottle game in high school
2: shut the fuck up bitch you're literally like we're I, gonna die I, swear to God straight women should be like hella mad at like how they get called out numerous times in these fucking movies
1: they really should
2: (laughs) oh now I remember you I spent the whole night like after I just realized that I've been working at a vampire bar had no idea but like also I remember you from high school because she moved down to the city and now she's just like a poor waitress like being used for her pure white femininity or whatever and now she like sees this boy from like a time where things are so pure and so sweet and, like, they actually are true loves because they played spin the fucking bottle.
1: It's so dumb. It's, yeah, it's really, like, just the epitome of, like, toxic heterosexual love story bullshit. I like
2: literally just, like, lit up a cigarette as soon as, like, that happened. It's just, like, I can't anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's really dumb. And she... I mean they had like arguments before because he was judging her for her job and yeah. I, yeah I mean I think what you said is like very insightful about like remember her clinging on to this time when things were better for her
2: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah and he's well, like sweet because like spin the bottle is just like one of those like n- like in a more in a a morally conservative like time like there's still like that whole adage of like you know high school sweethearts and like uh exploring your sexuality through like very chaste like means but like Mm -hmm. the most taboo that like a girl could possibly do without being called a slut was to play like these weird and awkward like games where you had to like consensually kiss strangers yes (laughs) so it's just like i guess y'all are gonna get married now so yeah and
1: cool. now she can leave this life behind
2: and she doesn't have to toil anymore at right this fucking cool strip club with vampires where there's like performance art and shit like please
1: i'll work there any day of the week
2: like, like i will quit my job like tomorrow if yeah. This existed. yeah please true, maybe right yeah
1: so, there's more vampires, blah, blah, blah. They set the sewer on fire. Uh, oh, and Moretto's real name is Allison. So, now she's going to start to be called Allison. Katrina sneaks up on Allison and, in the sewer. And she's got this, like, glorious bald head. And she poises over her neck to bite her as Keith holds a bow and arrow. Oh. <laughs> where I would forget where he got it from. Where
2: did he get that from? Right. Did he find that in the sewer because we just have like whole ass bow and arrows, like just chilling. Where,
1: yeah, where did that come it's like from? it was
2: the guys who was eating the rats. That's how he hunts the rats. Yeah, I guess the
1: so. <laughs> There's just like a lot of like nonsensical shit in this. And Keith shoots Katrina through the mouth yeah. and Allison stakes her. Um
2: Which I also thought was highly phallic in like a very weird way in how yes. it was shot. Yeah. No, totally I mean impaled. It- she was impaled like both through the mouth and through like the chest. Like you know what I mean? Like it was just I don't know. It it, it was uh especially coming from him and like just weapons in general as being phallic in that regard, like penetrating her, like, through, like, her mouth and through her throat. I don't know. It just, like, sat really uneasy with me. Yeah,
1: I mean, my note here is, thanks, I hate it. Yeah. Because it's also, like, during her performance, a big part of her performance was, like, her giving head to this statue. And then, like, she gets this basically dick symbol through her mouth. Yeah. And also, she doesn't speak. Yeah. So... There's a lot of focus on Grace Jones's mouth. And also because she's a vampire. Like, that's how she eats. Mm
0: -hmm. So,
1: I mean, we all eat through our mouth. But, like, there's hyper focus on the the mouth as, like, a vehicle for all of these things that are going on with her character. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: So Katrina won't be killed so easily. She pulls the stake out of her chest and mouth. She comes for Keith but he pushes open this manhole and the sunlight shines in killing Katrina. But this part's really hilarious. Katrina's bones are still moving and she f- th- her the bone her bony fingers flip them off. So good.
2: <laughs> it's very good.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, last laugh.
2: Like literally that's how I wish to go out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: just flipping <laughs> off people with my corpse. Like please. Somebody out there, when (laughs) I die, please move my fingers so that I'm flipping off everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keith and Allison are about to escape, but Vlad grabs Allison and says that they killed Katrina, so they must die because he's ride or die for her. But AJ is still alive, stakes him from behind. So... Allison and Keith leave the sewer, and they kiss. It's very contrived. They had no chemistry. And AJ, the now a friendly vampire, follows them underground through the sewer as a rainbow appears in the sky.
2: Fuck off. I know. <laughs>
1: I know. <laughs> Fuck all the way off. Like, horrible ending. The
2: friendly fucking vampire, like... Man, and I—what they mean, the white vampire. I mean, look at Casper; he was the friendly ghost. like yeah. friendliness. I don't know. <laughs>
1: no, I mean it's a good point because also there is a correlation in this movie and in a lot of movies that take place in an like an urban environment between white people who are, like, down and out and work in seedy professions and, like, black and brown people. Mm -hmm. And they're, like... There's a correlation between them that's made, like, symbolically, thematically. And because AJ... And and any other vampire in the film dies and is evil, any of the the working-class vampires in the film. Mm -hmm. But AJ gets to live. because. i call that
2: the diamond in the rough theory right whenever it comes to like working class whites and stuff like that um if they're like living in like capitalist squalor like they people still inherently believe that they could possibly be successful whereas that type of like expectation is never afforded to those that like also toil with them in that retrospect
1: yeah no it's true and In this movie, like, anyone who's working class dies. And the only people who are left are Amaretto, who's not working class. Like, she is co-opting that identity. Like, she's from the same background that Mm -hmm. Keith and AJ are. So she gets to live and be saved from this life of squalor. And AJ and Keith die. I mean, AJ and Keith live. Duncan dies, who is upper class, but he dies because he's... A, a person of color, a person of color, yeah. So it's just, I just hate it so much. I hate the ending, and I hate like the symbol of the rainbow. The rainbow belongs to gays. Fuck off. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah. I mean,
2: oh, shit. I could totally take a screen cap of that and troll like conservatives now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's just like
1: the most bummer ending. Like yeah. it, the the movie really needed to end with Katrina like just killing AJ and then just killing. But all we these.
2: know that that wasn't gonna happen. I
1: know, I know. So, do you have any final closing thoughts about Vamp that we didn't talk about?
2: If anybody wants to remake this movie, um, please do. But also, don't remake it to the teeth remake it in grace jones's image and katrina's image because i feel like they had the most compelling like storylines and i feel like if that movie were made in today's like element like it would actually be a really badass film without like the polarizing like politics that were behind like vamp at the time that it was actually created you
1: should remake it somebody should hire you to remake it
2: If I could work with Grace Jones I would literally be okay to die After I do that Cause I would just feel like saved She's like still doing like Badass shit She really is Like that woman is like She's a deity I don't know Yeah she's one of
1: my heroes Like not no questions asked Um, So Where can people find you on social media If you want them to
2: um, you can find me on Instagram at Audrey's Revenge Film or you can find me on Twitter, which I'm trying to use more because I'm trying to limit my social media engagements. But you can find me at Negra Monica.
1: And as always, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, Girls Guts Jello. Find my Patreon at Girls Guts Jello. Um, Patreon.com slash Girls Guts And until next time, I'll see you next week. Thank you, Monica.
0: Thank you.